0: Hi, I'm Katie Yale, Editor in Chief of Interiors and Sources. And you're listening to I Hear Design, an INS podcast. Today we have a very special interview with Noah Chitty, the Director of Technical Services for Crossville. We'd also like to thank Crossville for being our sponsor today. Uh, it really means a lot to us when we have these kinds of sponsorships to help us uh, to continue to give people these kinds of interviews and services. So thank you so much. And so on to the interview. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Great to be with you. Uh,
0: So we wanted to chat a little bit about uh, Tile in general and some of the technological advancements that have occurred, uh, particularly in the last, you know, half a decade to a decade. Um, It seems like there are just always new things that are happening with Tile, with the ways that they're mazed, with high def, you know, printing and all of that. Um, To start out, what are the differences between types of tiles, uh, particularly with the materials?
1: Um, I guess the main differences between types of tile, you know, we have industry standards that um, break things into categories. So we have standards that we manufacture to. Um, probably the main differences that people see in the in the marketplace are um, porcelain or not porcelain. But our industry mm-hmm. documents kind of break them up into um, five different categories, which would be um, mosaic tile, quarry tile, wall tile, and then kind of floor, press floor is what we call it, but porcelain or not porcelain tile. So those those are really the, um, the categories that standards break them up into. And I would say for the customer in general, um, if they're not looking at glass or stone, um, probably porcelain and non-porcelain are the two types that they see the most often from a material type.
0: And what are the differences as far as Uh, you know, if we're looking at putting in a new floor um, into a public area, are there differences between porcelain and non-porcelain as far as uh, the ways that they will work for that space?
1: There are. I mean... We mainly define porcelain uh, with a a lower water absorption. So Mm -hmm. it has to absorb um, through a standardized test less than half of 1% um, water absorption. But there are differences in breaking strength um, and really just from a durability stance. So it it really is more about picking the right product for the right application. Um, And especially as you get into more commercial applications, porcelain is normally going to be the the preferred material.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, do you know, wh- why is it that, uh, you know, that is how it's defined as how much it can or doesn't absorb?
1: Um, it really goes back to standard definitions of kind of of ceramics. Mm-hmm. Um, so we list water absorption in kind of four different categories as it increases. Mm-hmm. So you've got kind of greater than 20% water absorption, um, usually like seven to 20, and then Uh, three to seven and 0.5 to three. So traditionally porcelain has been this extremely um, dense body. I mean, dating back thousands of years um, when the Chinese kind of first um, brought porcelain materials to it. uh, It was something that utilized raw materials that produced a a body that was much denser than normal, Mm -hmm. um, just kind of clay and sand bodies um, for whatever functional purposes that provided. But that was kind of the, the gist of where it started was a, a much denser body.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. And when people are looking at uh, creating an entire space and they're looking at tiles, how would they go about, particularly for new designers um, who are coming into the market and, and maybe haven't, haven't used tile a whole lot, what would be the, the way that they would go about figuring out what products are best for, you know, the wall or the floor of their space?
1: I think for the most part, manufacturers do a pretty good job of um, giving... Uh, area of use recommendations for their products um, so probably the most important thing is to deal with a manufacturer that you know um, can have a conversation with you is providing uh, literature that you can access that really says here's where this product can go uh, because even for us like as a porcelain manufacturer we also um, offer products that are just for wall use or um, just for decorative use like some of the glass and and uh, stone mosaics and some of those things so probably the easiest thing you know we 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 try to make as much information available online as possible Mm -hmm. um, and to make it easy to understand and and accessible. So I think for most manufacturers, you'll find it pretty easy to distinguish between this should go on the wall or this should go on the floor or this should be in this type of heavy or light traffic environment. If it's if it's hard to figure out, then um, it shouldn't be, and and may mean that you know um, use a manufacturer that makes it easy for mm-hmm. you.
0: It's always interesting to me when the answer is, "Why don't you talk to the manufacturer?" And how often I've heard that, <laughs> that that's not that's not always the case. It's like, you know, we love to answer these questions, and um, I think that when there's so much information out there, it can feel like you have to figure it out alone. Um, so I love whenever manufacturers are, are saying like, just ask questions, you know, <laughs> like we'll be able to help you figure out what is best for your project.
1: Yeah. I mean, we try to make it, we try to put everything online because we know that's how people consume the information and we know that's where people are going before they call Mm -hmm. us. Um, But but we want to have that conversation because not everything can be, it's this way or that Mm -hmm. way. And sometimes you have to deal with the specific, you know, situation, you know, and, and try and make answers that are best suitable for for everybody, because because not everything is in this column or mm-hmm. that column, you know. Every every situation has specific circumstances that it's best to have a conversation. Um, although we're trying to make everything as accessible um, without the conversation as mm-hmm. possible, um, we still want to make sure that people know they can pick up the phone and call um, if they have that inclination. Mm-hmm.
0: Great. And now, for people who may not be aware, what is the process of creating porcelain tiles? What does that look like when it's being, um, you know, manufactured?
1: Um, so to walk through the whole process um, in, in a really simple way, um, there's three main raw ingredients in porcelain tile. Um, there's clay and sand and feldspar, which is a mineral that naturally occurs in granite. Um, So those three raw materials are uh, blended together with a lot of water um, and made into what we call a slipper or Mm. slurry. And then for porcelain tile, it actually is turned back into a powder um, through an operation called spray drying, where you take that very wet, about 35% moisture mixture, um, and you turn it into a pretty dry, about 6% moisture, uh, spherical mm. ball, um, that we've actually put into a mold, um, with a given dimension. And we press that under very high pressure until we form the shape of the tile. Um, and then the next process is to dry a little bit of that water out. We need about 6% moisture in order to form the material. Um, but we can't fire it, um, with that much moisture. So we actually dry it out a little bit down to about 1% moisture. Then we could either fire it or decorate the surface with additional materials for, for visuals. Um, and then it goes into a kiln, um, usually for about an hour for porcelain, uh, at around 2,200 degrees mm-hmm. Fahrenheit. Um, And then after that, you've got a finished piece um, that could either be rectified or calibrated um, or just sorted and put into a box. So that's the very simplistic explanation of, of the manufacturing process. And now
0: what does it mean when you say that it could be calibrated?
1: Um, so we really have two choices when we make tile. So we're going to um, take a lot of a lot of care in how we process the raw materials and how we make the tile, because what we're trying to control is shrinkage of the material through the firing process. Um, most porcelain tiles are going to shrink in the realm of um, seven to 10%, you know, generally about eight eight or nine. So you've got a tile, you know, if it's a 12 inch tile, um, it's 10% bigger than that before it goes through the firing process. So we've got a couple of options as it comes out of the the firing process. Um, And calibrated really means that we take all of these uh, multiple sizes that come out of the kiln and we put them in piles of similar sizes. So the customer doesn't get the full range of sizes coming out of the firing operation, but gets a very narrow window of sizes to work with their project. And we would call those calibers of tile coming out of the kiln. The better you are at what you do, the fewer calibers you get, but you're still going to have at least two or three calibers coming out, which would have a, a very small, very, maybe a Mm 32nd to a 16th um, within that single kind of batch of tiles Um, the other choice would be to rectify we're actually going to grind all four edges so you end up with only a single size being Mm. boxed
0: interesting okay and when we're looking at the technological advancements i am always shocked every year that we we go to a, a tile show there's something brand new you know the the technology is advancing so quickly. Um, and I know that f- for one, there's the um, HD printing and have there been any changes in that, or what should designers know about um, high definition printing on uh, porcelain and non-porcelain tiles?
1: It's pretty much the way um The way we've gone as far as, you know, I would say for the last 10 years, it's been the predominant technology and it really changed our ability to either mimic natural materials um, or create things. So we're not limited. The process before high definition digital printing um, was really more like a, a screen print. Um, it got pretty advanced in how you screen print, but you were still taking screens with digital, um, with mm. etchings on them, and basically using those to print and layer designs on the tile. Now with digital printing, we're really designing more in a Photoshop type environment, um, where we can scan a natural material in, or we can create something completely new from scratch, um, and then upload that as a d- digital image that can be, be uh, rendered onto the tile um, in a very high definition way. So it's really changed what we can do from an aesthetic standpoint um, in, in, in probably the most revolutionary thing that's happened to tile in a, in a long time. I would say digital printing um, has really changed the look that we can provide to the customer. Um, probably the biggest example is the replication of natural wood, um, but it's also you know moved into other realms as stones and marbles and those kind of things. Um, it definitely allowed us to do things that we could never do before the, mm-hmm. that advancement.
0: And what are the advantages of choosing a high definition natural looking porcelain over over you know the um the natural material itself like uh marble or uh wood grain?
1: Sure. Um normally, you know, Porcelain in general is going to provide you some benefits, especially over a natural material like wood. So if you compare a porcelain to a wood, you're obviously going to get some water resistance um, and staining resistance and things that just um, that, that a natural material, organic material like wood, you know, can't stand up to those type of moisture environments and those kind of things. Um, and, you know, durability over time. So obviously wood is going to wear um, in a much quicker standpoint than than a porcelain wood. So you get some of that, those kind of benefits. And then versus the natural stone. It really depends on the stone, um, because you've got some very soft stones, um, more in the marble and limestone range, and then you've got some very hard stones like granite. Um, so compared to a marble, you're going to get chemical resistance and stain resistance. Um, you know, people love, would love to have kitchens with an island with a, a Carrera mm-hmm. or, uh, statuary but we all know that you know you spill a little red wine on that or you leave a lemon on it too long um, you can get some stains on there that uh, can't come Mm -hmm. out and usually with a porcelain that's replicated that look um, you can use you know much harsher chemicals or cleaners um, or just worry a little bit less about um, the ease of maintenance um, versus the natural material so it it gives you the aesthetic without some of the um, maintenance and durability problems of the natural material
0: Mm -hmm. And, um, does Crossfield do like custom, um, printing on porcelain? Is that something that you offer or is there standardized, like, uh, different collections?
1: We have a, we have a catalog of standard materials, um, because we inventory Mm -hmm. everything so we can deliver to the customer very quickly. Um, we do have custom programs, um, mainly for national accounts, um, and those kind of things where the volumes are pretty big because you got to so we've got a pretty large scale operation um where the the benefit of scale of the operation really tends to you know runs of say 10,000 to 50,000 square feet or more um in order to make it efficient so when we do things custom um, we, it takes a little while to develop the product and there's obviously some, um, some time and, and cost in the development of a brand new product. And then we have to make sure that there's at least a minimum quantity, um, that allows us to run through the process without, um, major amounts of loss. So we do have the ability, um, if there's enough, um, enough material that needs to be made to do, um, to do something mm-hmm. custom.
0: And if you're able to say what has been like the most, out of the box custom order that, that Crossville has had, uh, in recent years.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, I don't know the answer. So we, we do, we do some, some interesting things, you know, the, the, the thing that we want to provide, um, the most is, you know, a lot of accounts have very Mm -hmm. specific needs. Um, especially in the, you know, the kind of quick service arena, you know, like fast food restaurants or things like that. We want to work, we want to work with the client because we're always trying to find this balance between something that's very easily cleanable, but something that doesn't allow people to slip on it, um, which are two Mm -hmm. contradictory um, characteristics. So it's really important to, if we, if we get the opportunity to actually work with the client to design a product that's right for them, as opposed to taking something that's off the shelf and trying to make it work mm-hmm. for what their needs are. Um, so I, I can't think of anything, you know, really kind of crazy and, and exciting that we've done. Um, but I think, you know, every every day we're hoping to provide the right product to the customer based on their needs, as opposed to just trying to make a, you know, a round peg fit in a square hole.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that, about how often you see a tile in, in fast food restaurants. Like that definitely is something that is very standardized and makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. But they've got, you know, they've got specific needs depending on, you know, depending on whether they're a a restaurant that fries things or whether they're a a subway type restaurant, you know, that makes cold sandwich. They've got different Mm needs, um, depending on how they clean and when they clean and, and what they're doing. So, um, it's important to you know either offer a wide range of products that they can use or to ideally you know um, if the if the volumes are large enough design something specifically for their need um, and we try and we try and be flexible enough um, here at Crossville to um, be able to give that um, more kind of um, handheld relationship to the customer
0: mm-hmm. great. Um, And then what should designers know about tile and how to use different types? I mean, we kind of went over it a little bit before, but is there anything that if you could just, you know, anything that comes up that's like, I really wish designers knew this about tile?
1: I would say the main thing, um, so, you know, we've got these really big porcelain tile panels now, um, which have their own set of challenges um, and opportunities. But I would say for the main thing is um, to understand grout joint widths.
0: Um,
1: what What is the recommended grout joint width for the product? Um, based on, you know, that gets back into our rectified versus calibrated conversation because normally a rectified tile where you're grinding the edges to achieve a more precise facial dimension, um, can be set with a smaller grout joint. Um, and then a calibrated tile that is more separated into sizes, but not ground would need a slightly larger grout joint. And then also the combination, you know, if you want to use multiple collections together to make th- to make sure things are the same thickness, um, to make sure the grout joints work together. So there's a difference between this single size of tile should have this grout joint when it's used, um, and if I want to use a whole bunch of sizes together. Uh, modularity comes into place is the word we use for, I want to use a 12 by 24 and a 12 by 12 and a six by 12, all in a pattern. We have to make sure that those tiles are manufactured, um, to be used in multiple sizes with a single grout joint size and work together in their sizing. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's the main thing, which is because we want designers to dream what they want, mm-hmm. um, we also want to make sure that we can facilitate um, without a huge amount of difficulty for the contractor or the installation um, exactly what they want. And that's really probably the main thing is just to make sure that if they're going to use, you know, if they're just going to use one size tile, then it's pretty simple. Um, make sure things are right. Make sure you know what the recommended grout joint with and go at it. But if you're going to use multiple sizes of tile or even across multiple collections, um, there's a few things that you need to make sure um, that they're designed like that and that they can they can work together without causing a, a big problem for the contractor trying to put them in.
0: Oh yeah. That's really cool. That's um one of those things that I personally wouldn't have thought about. I'm usually like, oh, I love these tiles. Just and then it's the contractor's job to understand, you know, how to put it up um, and yeah. you know grout and all of that. So that's really great. Um, and then I just, I always love to, to just end with, is there anything I haven't asked that you think is important for our listeners to know?
1: You know, I, I think, um, the the advent of pieces of tile that are so big and so thin, um, because really we talked about HD printing um, and how that changed the industry. But in the last five to seven years, we've really seen what we're what we now have a term for in our industry: gauge porcelain tile, mm. um, which is um, in our case it's uh, ten feet tall um, and about. A little over three feet wide, but sometimes it's even, uh, 10 feet tall and five feet wide. Um, and and they're as thin as an eighth inch or a quarter inch in thickness. Um, and they offer lots of, um, lots of new options for tile to go in places that tile didn't go into before and replace less durable finishes like wallpaper and plastic wall protection. Um, but there's a few things, you know, we, we want to make sure that the contractor is going to put that in a Put that in. Um, knows what the rules and techniques um, and tools are. So it gives us all kinds of big opportunities. Uh, but we have to make sure that um, that we're doing the right things for those installations to make sure they can be successful. Because it is a, a newer category that we're that we're uh, investing for the future in. Mm-hmm. Um, So we think it's got great opportunities, but it, it also, you know um, so my advice would be, you know, work with the manufacturer. Um, Most of us are doing training to make sure that we're um, letting the contractors know how to do it and making sure that if the designer wants to use it, that the manufacturer can provide everything they need in order for them to be successful.
0: Mm -hmm. And yeah, I've seen, I've seen these, you know, these massive thin tiles before. Is there an advantage? I mean, they're absolutely gorgeous and just shocking when you see them in person. Um, but is there an advantage, um, over having, you know, a tile that large compared to, you know, more of the standardized sizes?
1: You know, from a design standpoint, I think, um, you know, we've always heard in the past that designers love tile, but they hate grout joints. Mm. Um, so from a design standpoint, you can, you know, you can create a shower or a large wall with very few joints. Um, from an installation standpoint, you've also got a weight reduction too. So if that matters to the installation, um, you know, a traditional tiles around five pounds per square foot, and these would get you down into two or three pounds per square foot. So there are instances where, um, Less weight um, could make a difference, or even less thickness on a build out if you were trying to go into a tile over tile application without tear out. Um, but I think from a design standpoint, most of the time it's just the enormity of it um, and the the beautiful um, because of the the digital printing, the look that you can give to such a large um, but now extremely durable piece of material in a space um, just a, uh, adds a lot of things to the design community. Um, Seems very um, attracted mm-hmm. to.
0: And what technological advancements or what happened to make it so that these large but very thin tiles were able to be made in the first place?
1: The advancement is really in the way we press mm-hmm. the tile. Um, for many, many years now, we've made tile by putting the powders that we make into a mold and forming the shape of the tile in a mold. Um, but it takes a lot of pressure to compact that material into the mold and the presses that we have, although they keep growing in size, um, can only hold so big of a Mm -hmm. dye mold. Um, so the technologies that created these panels basically found a way to press tile, um, without a mold, um, and used much larger expanses of belts and systems, um, in order to press pieces that were, um, much, much bigger. Um, and we're seeing things now that can even be pressed, you know, a little over five feet wide, um, maybe even almost up to six, six feet, um, by 17 feet long. So, um, and what's really changed in the last few years is that now they um, they can make thicker material. So in the beginning they started with eighth inch and quarter inch, but now we're actually seeing it into half inch and almost, you know, up to an inch uh, thick. So where that's going to go and compete against countertops or, um, granite and quartz is, um, so the technology really seems to be advancing, um, in order to create new markets for, for this, you know, durable material that we've always seen in these smaller sizes. So yeah, there's two main, two main technologies in the market from two different, um, companies that sell tile um, equipment to the industry. Um, and those two, for now, the two main technologies that are leading the the ability to press these large pieces. The rest of the operation, although different, uh, slightly different, but the firing and the decorating and all those is somewhat similar. Um, it's really the pressing operation mm-hmm. that changed um,
0: drastically in order to make the big awesome. pieces. awesome. And then just for you personally, what Technological advancement in the last decade or so has been the most exciting for for you.
1: I mean, I would say the most exciting because it was easy for me to deal with <laughs> as a technical person was was, yeah. was digital printing. You know, we didn't have to do anything more except to explain to people that we didn't lose any durability um, by making these much more beautiful and realistic Mm. prints. So as a technical person whose job it is to, you know, solve the problems that we encounter, um, I I would say digital printing was just just a great
0: Mm. benefit
1: to the industry. Um, While the porcelain tile panels are somewhat more exciting, um, it's taking more of my time to uh, make Mm. sure that things are done right. Um, that we're training contractors, that we're answering the questions, that we're actually creating standards for the product and for the installation of the product that never existed before. Um, so, it, while it's putting tile in more places, which is is which is a thing that we need to grow our industry. Um, the digital printing was just much more fun to sit mm-hmm. back and watch happen um, where this one has taken a lot more effort to create basically a new category with infrastructure and, and successes that, you know, we can um, pin the next, you know, the next decades. Oh, on.
0: Great. Well, thank you again for joining us today. This has been really uh, insightful and I've, I've learned a lot uh, personally, so I'm hoping our listeners did too. Um, and again, thank you for joining us.
1: Hey, thank you very much for your time. Have a great day.